If you have your Bibles today, turn to the Old Testament to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel and chapter 30, the very end of the book of 1 Samuel. We're gonna, I'm going to read the first six verses from 1 Samuel 30. I begin in verse 1. Now, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had made a raid against them. And they had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire and taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. They killed no one, but they carried them off and went their way. 1 Samuel 30, verse 3. And when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire. And the wives, their wives and sons and daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people with him raised their voices and wept until they had no more strength to weep. And David's two wives had also been taken captive, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail. And verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened, uh, King James Version says, encouraged himself. David strengthened himself or encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. We find David very discouraged in great distress. And little wonder... Uh, the Saul, the king of Israel, had been chasing him for years, maybe 10 years. And he's just worn out. His income, his family, was all lost because he had been a fugitive. He hardly had bread to eat. And in fact, on one occasion, he went to the tabernacle to see if the priest could give him any bread. And they, they said, all we have here is the holy bread that we offer to God once a week. Kind of like our uh, communion elements. And uh, David said, well, I'll take it. Because he had no income. He had lost his sense of calling and mission. Because uh, if you remember... Uh, David had been anointed to be the king. This is way back in chapter 16. And he was just a teenager at that time, but Samuel went in and anointed him, rejected all his brothers, and anointed him to be the king, the next king. But now years had passed, and he certainly hadn't uh, had a throne. And David has just come from the land of the Philistines. Um, 
he says in chapter 1 Samuel 27, verse 1, David had said in his heart, I'm going to perish one day by the hand of Saul. Saul's going to catch me. He's going to kill me. So there's nothing better for me now than that I should just escape to the land of the Philistines. So David arose and went over and the 600 men with him to the king of Gath. That's in 1 Samuel 27.1. So David has been up in the, with the Philistines as a part of their army and a friend of the king of Gath. Gath, you, know, you remember when David killed Goliath? This was back uh, 10 chapters earlier when he was a teenager and he killed Goliath. Goliath was from Gath. And here he's gone to the Philistines surrendering his, his sense of destiny to be king. And he's, he's also got two wives. And, and I'll say this. In the beginning, it was not so. God didn't make Adam and then Eve and then uh, Mildred. Amen? He made Adam and Eve, one woman, one man. But here, David has departed from the ideal. So he's with the enemies, and, and he was going to go fight the people of Israel with the king of Gath. And the Philistine generals, they saw David in the, in the lineup here with the army. And they said to the king of Gath, they said, Isn't that David? And he said, Yeah. He's going to help us fight the Hebrews. And they said, Uh-uh. We're not going to end a battle with David on our side because he could turn and fight us right in the middle of us fighting the Israelites. But David was going to fight with them. You realize if he had done that, the, the Israelites and the, and the Jews would never have accepted him as a king. But the Philistines wouldn't let him go. They didn't trust him. They said, isn't this the David of whom they sang, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. So David has had to leave the Philistines. And he comes back now, having been rejected even by the lowly Philistine army. And he finds that his camp, with his wives and children and all the wives and children of all his men, had been captured, kidnapped, and all their possessions stolen by a bunch of rogue nomads the Amalekites. So chased by his own government, very little food, no housing, rejected even by his enemies, he now has a new problem. He and his men find that while they're gone, their camp is pillaged, their possessions are stolen, and their wives and children captured and kidnapped. So it says here that, verse 6, David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter. The, 
uh, the men that were with him, they'd had it with David. Man, we're going nowhere with this guy as our leader. And now we come back and our families are gone. So David's leadership is in doubt. His life is in danger. And what does he do? So it says in verse 6, But David strengthened himself or encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now I thought that this would be an appropriate text for this past year. (laughs) The end, the last Sunday of 2020. Yay. (laughs) The threat of the virus everywhere. The loss of jobs, canceled school. For some, a lack of Christmas gatherings. We've got, had some people, their families didn't want to gather this Christmas. So you don't even have that kind of an encouragement. Some churches closed. So you couldn't go to church, or at least your home church. Jobs lost. And people have died. I had a, a neighbor stand at my front door this just this week so overcome with emotion that he couldn't even talk and I'd never even met him before but he knew I was a pastor and he came he asked for prayer so we prayed for him right there on the front porch but it's been an overwhelming year for people and I I thought you know this is a low point for David Maybe your life has not been affected as much as others, but you might need this in the future. (laughs) If you're not discouraged today, if you live long enough, you will encounter such an experience. So what did David do at this low point in his life? Well, number one, verse 6 says, he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself. Now notice something here. He encouraged himself in the Lord. He didn't blame himself. I mean, he had a lot lot to blame himself for. He's made bad decisions. And he's taken on another wife, which is against the law of Moses. And, but he didn't blame himself. He just turned to the Lord. And in fact, all of, a lot of his problems came because he had quit depending on God and just started making decisions off the top of his head and by instincts. But here he encourages himself in the Lord. Uh, he didn't wait on others to do it for him. He did it himself. He took the initiative. Here's a second thing that he did. He did it by looking to God through his high priest. Look at verse 6 and 7. Verse 7. David said to Abiathar the priest, son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. 
And, e and Abiathar brought the ephod to David. Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, that's the high priest. And he's with David, not back in Jerusalem. He has gone to be with David. So David encourages himself in the Lord by turning to the Lord through his high priest. <laughs> David had little food or favor or family, but you know what he did have? He had a high priest, which meant someone who had access to God but was human, was a man, and therefore sympathetic to his plight and his weaknesses and his sins. Hebrews 7.23 says, The former priests, that is Old Testament priests, were many in number because they were pre prevented by death from continuing. But he, Christ, holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. So he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. He's able to save us to the uttermost. Our high priest is with us and has access to God on our behalf. And he sympathizes with us. He knows how we feel. Uh, Hebrews 4.15 We do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Let us then, therefore, draw near to God, to the throne of grace, that is, through the high priest, that we might receive mercy and grace to help in a time of need. So the first thing he did is he encouraged himself and he did it, secondly, by looking to God through and with his high priest. Here's a third thing he did. He asked specifically for the mercy of guidance. Look at verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I pursue this band? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, for you will surely overtake and you will recover all. So here, David asks for guidance. He returns to God for guidance. He's not making his own decision about guidance. But through his high priest, he's asking God, should I go after these people or should I not? And God says, go. You will recover all. Now, God has permitted this in order to reestablish David's dependence on him and dependence on his guidance. Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you See, God wants to guide us. He said, He promises here, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. So don't be like a horse or a mule that has no understanding, which has to be governed with a bit and a bridle, or it will not stay near you. <laughs> God says, don't be like a horse or a mule that you have to put a bridle on them. And make them stay close to you. 
But he said, I will guide you. I know what's best for you. I will instruct you in the way you should go. As we look at this coming year, God will guide us on where to go, who to see, what to say, what to do, when to do it, whether to do it, even how to do it. And so we abide in Christ as the branch abides in the vine. And David has returned to the guidance and dependence on God. What's a fourth thing he did? Well, here's, here's what he did. Number four, he set out with God's guidance. Verse nine, I just took these as I came to them. So David set out and 600 men with him. Now what, what does that mean? Where's he going? I don't think David knew where he was going. He doesn't know where these Amalekites are that had these nomads are who come in and robbed him. But he set out. He started. When you have God's guidance, take the first step. A long journey, a hard journey, begins with that first step. That's the hardest step is the first one. The hardest part of a 25-page paper <laughs> is what? Page one. That's the hardest part. If you have to write a paper for a class, the, the hardest page is that very first page. So he set out, just begin. Let God guide you into the solution which lays just beyond today. And the first thing is, you start out in faith, depending on God, you take the first step. And two things happen when you have God's guidance. Look at verse 10. First thing is, other people's weaknesses don't discourage you. Verse 10. David pursued, he and 400 men... And 200 stayed behind because they were too exhausted to cross over the brook. So, so as soon as he sets out, a third of his band of brothers, they are too tired. So they, they say, we, we'll just give out. We'll just stay here and wait for you to get back. But what did David do? He went right ahead. David, verse 10, pursued he and 400. You take what you have. When you have God's guidance, you go with what you've got to go with. So when you have God's guidance, one thing, other people don't discourage you. They don't put, hold you back. Just keep going. Another thing is, when you have God's guidance, you will watch for little clues to the direction, the next step. Look at verse 11. And they came across an Egyptian in the open country, and they brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate, and they gave him water, and, uh, and figs, and 
raisins, and when he had eaten, his spirit revived, for he hadn't eaten for three days. And verse 13 says, David said to him, To whom do you belong? Where are you from? See, David's antenna is up. Where are you from? And this, this Egyptian, he says, well, I was with the Amalekites. Oh, really? Because that's the group that we're chasing. And you were with them. And then David says, can you take me to them? He says, yes, I can if you promise not to kill me. And David said, you got it. And so this, they have just accidentally come across this guy who can direct them right to the place where these kidnappers of the families were camped out. That's what happens when you set out with God's guidance. You you know where you're supposed to go, the direction to go in. You've taken the first step and you're watching, your antenna is up for what God's going to do next. I remember when we were putting up this building, we had a huge Easter attendance push uh, for the first Sunday that we were to be in this building. And, uh, and I got word from Monday Township that we could not occupy the building because... That had not been inspected properly. Well, we had sent out flyers and postcards and Facebook messages and and, uh, letters, and and, and everybody had invited friends and family. We're going to have this big celebration, and the fire marshal said, uh, No, we're going to lock the doors. Well, that would be a downer for an East First service on Easter. And it was a Friday, and somebody said, you know, you can go to the Monday Township and get special permission, but it's Friday afternoon, good Friday. Nobody's probably going to be there. And so I took off. I set out. First step. And I got lost. (laughs) Going to the township, the Monday Township City Hall, I got lost. I went the wrong way. By the time I got back to the... to the city hall, I walked in the door, and I had I was about 30 minutes later than I planned, and walking in the other end of the hall was the leading authority in Monday Township. He was over the fire marshal. I forget what, what his title was. But he said, hello, uh, I said, I'm Larry Redner. I need to see somebody about getting permission to occupy this building uh, this coming Sunday. He said, well, I can give you a one-time permit, but they probably have to stand. It's a standing permit. I said, we'll stand. And so just barely getting him, the intersection of the man who can make it happen and the man who's asking it to happen, But we set out and we just came across. This is the way God's guidance is. You don't have to have a lot of resources. You just have to have God's guidance. 
And this is what David found here. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 18, here's what it says. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had taken. Notice that. He recovered all of it. He got everything back. And it says David rescued his two wives. Nothing was was missing, either small or great. Everything they took, David brought back all of it. I mean, from the daughter to the to the tennis shoes that they had on, to the shoestrings that, if they had tennis shoes, I don't know if they did or not, but he got everything, small or great, didn't lose a thing. This is what I want to put before you today. As we look to God, and as you look to God as families and individual Christians, and Reestablish dependence on Him. He will guide you. And everything you've lost this year, you can recover all. Can I get an amen from the church of Jesus Christ? With Him, nothing is impossible. You can recover all. You say, well, I've been backslid. Don't you think David is backslid? Did you join the enemy? Did you take on two wives? Uh, This means no. (laughs) I see some women, well, did you or did you not? No, we didn't. Amen. And God in His mercy restored everything David had lost. God the creator, God the sustainer, God the sovereign, let Him Direct your steps. I got one other point to make. When we reestablish our dependence on God's guidance, God not only helps us recover all, but He exceeds our expectations. Now get this. His enemies were primarily Saul and the Amalekites. Saul dies in the next chapter. Saul is killed by the Philistines. The Amalekites are defeated by David and his men because an Egyptian showed him where they were. And he went and he he caught them napping and partying and sleeping and... And he attacked them and got everything back. So he has defeated his enemies. And then it says in 2 Samuel 2 and verse 4 that the men of Judah came. And this is just three days later. 2 Samuel chapter 1 verse 2 says within three days, three days later, So you're talking about three or four days at the most that the men of Judah, 2 Samuel 2, 4, came to David and made him the king of Judah. What an incredible turnaround. 
Now, what God had promised way back in 1 Samuel 16 that David would be the king had come to pass. So from David's lowest point in 1 Samuel 30, rejected by the Philistines and chased out and then come home and everybody's gone and his men about to stone him, he turns to God and in three days... Saul is dead, the Amalekites are defeated, and Judah makes him the king. Within three days. And I want to tell you something I have discovered over the years. I tell you, I first heard this phrase from a banker. Because we were, years ago, we were discussing a loan. And he was telling me he didn't know if he could get it done or not. And, I, and here's what he said. He said, I do not want to overpromise and underdeliver." And I've thought about that, you know, overpromise and then underdeliver. I want to tell you something about God. Our God does not overpromise and underdeliver. If anything, he underpromises and overdelivers. David could not have imagined that within three days his enemies would be defeated and he himself would be placed on the throne of Judah within three days. That's how quickly the sovereign God of the Bible can turn things around. God does not overpromise and underdeliver. That's why I read earlier Ephesians 3:20 that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. And that's what I want us to go with into the new year. That God recovers all that we've lost and goes exceedingly beyond our expectations. God, give us a new year where you bless us beyond our prayers and our imaginations. That's, that's, what, that's the vision I, with which I want us to go into 2021. Amen. Amen. Ushers, you get ready and let's Let's worship with our tithes and offerings and uh, let's have a final song before we are dismissed today. But let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come with your promises and your grace and mercy before us. We pray for a wonderful year ahead of us. We pray to recover everything that might have been lost either by individuals or the church. And we pray that you would exceed our expectations through the mighty power of the risen Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Amen.